Welcome to Bench Boost Boys Game Week 1 Season Forecast Obsessed with FPL With me Gav and you Scott, how are you Scott? Doing well Gav, how are you? I'm okay mate, feels like forever since we last did an episode of the podcast It is forever, it's been about two months, three months About two, you know, June, July, yeah about two months mm. uh, It's not just you and I today is it? No it's not we have a guest. We do. We have a, a very special guest. Uh, his name is Matt Whelan, and he is the author of the book FPL Obsessed, Tips for Fantasy, Tips for Success in Fantasy Premier League, uh, and you're known as FPL Obsessed on Twitter. Matt, how are you going? I'm not bad, lads. How are you? Yeah, good, good, good. Not bad. The Euro seems like a distant mishap for the English, and uh, we're ready to rock with the Premier League. Before we get to it, we've mentioned uh, Matt's Twitter handle bit of admin from our side at bench boost boys is us on twitter um i was forget about the admin and uh that minor first world problem curse every season the uh private league code changing was the, i supposed to get that up because i didn't i have i have okay, don't worry yeah, cool. so it's a really awkward one for uh radio actually but i'll give it a go the, the code to join the bench boost boys league this season is q eight z m two s i'm never remembering that no no, it's horrible, isn't it? No. We should just use our old one and just join some randoms league if they've used that. If they've, if <laughs> just take over. That. <clears throat> Matt, did you play uh, Euro Fantasy in the break? I did, yes. I did awful. You did? Oh, yeah, I did too. <laughs> you started well, I though, started didn't you? off real well. How did you go? What was the... Do you remember your final score? I think I think um, my final rank was something like 250,000. Yeah, I think mine was... I think I was just scraped in the top 100. I think I was 97k... Um, and I started off in the top top thousand, I think, for a little while there. I yeah, really I remember ha- you being yeah. pretty g'd up about that. I, I didn't have the energy for it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. And it followed, I think, the format yeah. that's similar to the Champions League one, which is a little convoluted. So I gave it a miss. I found my, my enthusiasm for it dropped and dropped as the season progressed and the, the number of options went down. Yeah, and, and, and everyone, the whole, everyone ended the up whole having the same team. Stick and twist. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Well, we, we obviously got you in here for a reason. We want to talk to you about your book and we want to talk to you about the, you know, some of your tips and things like that. But just let's just start with, uh, you know, what got you into FPL and, and, you know, where it all started for you. So this will be my um, 18th season playing the game. I, I started back in 2004. Um, uh, a friend of mine who I went to high school with called Pat, who I mentioned in the book, he started um a league called hogs of law and he introduced our friendship group to it um and we were just absolutely hooked straight away um i spent the first three years trying to win that league which i eventually did um, i have no idea what my rank was back then because it's not on my old it's on an old id through an old email address which i can't remember anymore so yeah so uh, once i wanted one hogs of war i then started sort of focusing more on um global rank um in 2011 2012 season and that was when i had my best ever or um so it was 2489th in the world Um, yeah yeah yeah, that's nice which which was which was a decent score um but the 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 year after i think i must have thought i had the midas touch because um I, i then had the worst ever or i've had in um 17 years immediately after so i was a 606k um, which just shows how it just shows how humbling fantasy Premier League can be. Six oh six is a terrible rank. What was your rank last season, Gavin? About four hundred and ninety eight thousand or something. No, that was mine. 
Somewhere around there. Nah, I'm pretty it was, sure. I mean, it was in the, I was in the top half mil. I'm sure. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. But we tried our bloody hardest, didn't we? <clears throat> we did. Yeah. <laughs> Humbling yeah. indeed, Matt. Yeah. Um. So your best finish was it was two thousand seven hundred. You said. No, two hundred and forty. Two thousand two four eight nine. That's damn good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in in the book, you mention mention a, a fellow named Dan. You said he's a he's your FBL rival. Was he in the uh, in the in the first league you joined in? No. So I, I met him um, about eight years ago. I, I did a little stint working in the banking industry, um, and I, I instantly gravitated towards these um, two lads because they were funny. Um, and Dan, um, he. Uh, already played FPL. I think he played his first season um, uh, the year before I met him. Um, so we joined a little work mini league, um, and he beat me every time. And he um, he drives me mad because I just I can't work him out at all. Um, his don't get me wrong, he's not casual, um, but his playing style makes absolutely no sense to me. Some of the decisions that he makes, you just think, what are you playing at? And they always always come up for him oh, so, we, we, had, yeah. we had a friend last season who stuck was it three Burnley defenders in his team one week and yeah, they yeah. got like he got huge points backfired on him two weeks later when he still hadn't changed it and they got thrashed by City or something <clears throat> this is the same fellow that forgot to hit uh, use wildcard or whatever yeah yeah <laughs> and he ended up making something like what, 40 transfers in one go um, so what's your friend's uh, Dan's What's his book called? Because we should probably have read that one and got him on the show then. <laughs> what, so what, what made you decide to write a book? Um, well, uh, September last year, um, I actually got quite poorly, a bit of a random sort of illness. Um, previous to that, I worked in the um, house building industry. Um, and I had this weird episode where I was sort of in and out of hospital for a bit. Um and then when that subsided, I was left with um, balance issues and hearing loss, um, and I couldn't I, I couldn't do very much. And as I was getting better, but still had the balance issues, I, I was getting um, bored out of my mind, just in the same four walls of the house. Uh, and I've always been really really passionate about writing uh, as a hobby. Um, and I just thought to myself, you know, what, I've got all this time. I'm bored. I love writing, and I've never previously had the chance to really get stuck into it you know now is the time to just you know start writing some stuff down so um, i got um at the time six-year-old son hit so I started writing some kids stories for him um and then started writing sort of brain dumping my 17 years of playing fpl onto the page it didn't really start out as necessarily um my aim was for it to be a book um more of a huge brain dump um and then as time went on, I started to shape it and I actually sent um, what I've been writing to my friend Dan and he was pointing out areas where it could be restructured to you know, make it flow a little bit better. Uh, and then in the end, I thought, I thought, well, I've got a book here. Um, why not have a go again? Yeah. Well, you've done an awesome job. And, and honestly, um, when I read it, it's, you know, you know, knowing not knowing how the process, how it all came together, it, it's come together really nicely. It flows really well and each section kind of, you know, it fits exactly where it needs to for you to feel like you're actually going on the journey of creating that team and putting those plans in place. So really well done. It's a great book. Where can people find it, though, Dan, if they wanted to get it, get their hands on a copy? Um, the, sort of, the, the primary place you can get it is Amazon. Um, that is uh, the place where it's cheapest. Um, so if you're thinking of getting it... <laughs> think think about the that, margins, Matt. Where, where do they get it if, they're gonna, if you're going to get high <laughs> margins? Send them in that direction. Well... Well, Amazon have actually, um, for some reason, it's a, it's a strange thing that they do, but um, Amazon have discounted it 
Um, so there's a pound off it at the moment, and they don't ask me if I want it discounted. They don't have to ask my permission. They didn't even tell me it happened. It was just one day it was a pound cheaper, um, but it, that doesn't cut into my margins at all. I, I still get the same royalty, even though they've discounted it, so it's them taking the hit. So um, as far as I'm concerned, that's that's a double win for potential readers and for me. So There you go. Uh, but you can, get get, uh, get, you, you get guys, your copy of FPL Obsessed by Matt Whelan, Amazon, pound off. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, I, think, uh, I think you guys got it from um, Booktopia, did you? <clears throat> uh, Booktopia, yeah, that's where I got it from. Actually, ended up having a look. I ended up getting it through eBay. I searched for it on Booktopia, and when I clicked on it, it for some reason sent me to eBay. So well, that's random. Yeah. I think it's because if they don't have the stock themselves, they got third-party links or whatever. So you can pretty much find it anywhere. You just search for it, come up, yeah. eBay. Yep. All right, well, should we take a quick break then? Yeah, let's do that. And we'll come back with some uh, questions about the content of the book. Bench Plus, boys. We're back with Matt Whelan, FPL Obsessed. First, You, you can kick off, Kevin. I don't have to ask all the questions. I feel like I've, I'm hogging the limelight here. This doesn't sound like you at all, mate. So, you've uh, you already told us about your your process and how you got to writing a book, which sounds incredible, by the way, and I can't wait to actually give it a proper read myself. Um, well, that's why you don't want to ask the questions, because... No, I should I've have more it. questions. I should have more, shouldn't I? Um, so, 17 years you've been doing FPL. Um, as far... I mean, you basically said that you've had a, you had a really good season followed by a really bad one. What happened in the season after that? Like, what's your trajectory been like? So, so after that, I was quite um, fascinated by, um, you know, how you could have such, um, you know, two big swings, um, you know, such a great season followed by, you know, the worst one I've had yet. Um, and I sort of got fascinated by, you know, the different approaches you could take to FPL. Uh, you know, I noticed that different managers with different playing styles could still do really well while sticking true to their own playing style. And I think at that stage, I was probably still trying to determine what my own playing style really was. Um, so, you know, I experimented with a number of different um, systems, you know, sometimes being very aggressive, taking lots of hits, and um, sometimes being lots of cautious, you know, being very cautious, you know, make, making the obvious picks. Um, so my rank after that um, was probably quite up and down. I had some good top 100K seasons, um, some outside it. I think I'm... Um, I've got about five top 250k finishes so after that it was sort of you know somewhere in the middle um but then obviously when i wrote the book um last season that sort of helped consolidate a lot of my thoughts on fpl um you know not just for other people but making it clear in my own head as well mm. um and i think i think now that's helped me settle down on what you know hopefully will be my final playing style if you like yeah you you actually break the the different playing styles down in there really well <clears throat> there are a couple that you you say you know they're not your playing styles but you've noticed other managers using them um i, yeah. I really liked you know and i, I put, put this one down purposely because i actually i think gavin and i even said this a few times on the podcast without even really you know it was just a couple of dudes blabbing about it but um the fact that fbl's 50 percent luck you know, twenty five percent skill, twenty five percent self discipline. Can you talk us through that sort of <clears throat> sum? Because I, I, I completely, I one hundred percent agree with it. You know, um, that especially with the luck perspective, because um, I think you know Gavin had this unbelievable run of leaving all of these points on his bench, and I think a lot of FPL managers last season were quite guilty of playing Suchek, 
um, one week when he oh. didn't score, benching him, losing those points because he's on the bench, and then putting Suchek back in the next week and he just didn't score again. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> Don't get me started on Suchek. Um, yeah, the, the the I think the 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 look and skill relationship with FPL is very interesting. You know, it's it's not like playing a game of chess where it's mostly skill with a bit of luck thrown in. And you know, it's not like having a game of Monopoly where it's mostly luck with a bit of skill thrown in. It's you know, I think it's a very very balanced relationship between luck and skill. Um, someone um, on Twitter, I can't remember who said it, um, but they used a lovely phrase, which is. FPL is all about putting yourself in the best position to be lucky. Mm. And uh, I think that's such a good way of um, phrasing it. Um, I like to, you know, if, if you if you think about um, last season, someone, one manager, triple captained uh, Bednarek on that week that he scored minus seven. <laughs> so... There's one person out there who got minus 21 for one player playing their triple captain chip. Now, I think everyone can agree that that is, you know, immensely unlucky. And that's the, you know, that's the luck element of it. But if you look at that from, the, you know, the skill side of things as well, um, it was actually a really bad decision. Okay, you know, no one expected him to end up with minus 21 points, but he put his triple captain uh, chip on the, on the defender first of all, a defender that was only playing in a single game week. Southampton at the time, because they were missing um, Carl Walker-Peters, were having some defensive problems. So there's a lack of research there. They're playing Man United, who were you know, banging form at the time. So yes, while he was unlucky to get minus 21, um, there was also you know a distinct lack of skill in that decision as well. Mm. Um, so... Uh, most people talk in terms of, of, of luck and skill. I, I sort of broke the skill element down into sort of two subcategories, which is, you know, skill, which I consider in a general sense, you know, doing your research, your footballing knowledge, um, keeping tabs on um, what's happening, um, you know, your, your ability to interpret data and, and, and read stats. Uh, that all comes in the, in the skill bracket for me. But the self-discipline part of things, um, is you know managing to keep you cool when things are going wrong yeah it, it, it's it's making the right decisions even when um everything's going against you it's having that sort of patience and resilience to go right i'm really angry now and i want to do this because i was going to do this and i did the other thing and the other thing was the wrong decision and the thing i was going to do was the right decision and not making that rage transfer and you know trying to you know correct your mistake straight away it's you know giving yourself time to cool off think about things logically, make sure you still want to, you know, make that decision. So that's for me, the, the self-discipline kind of thing. Yeah. We, I think last season I was guilty of being incredibly impatient. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with uh, my inexperience with FPL because FPL last season was the first time I took it really seriously. Um, I, I was quite guilty of making really early transfers every single week. Um, you know, I pulled the trigger on my first wild card, I think within game week four. Um, so yeah, I think that's yeah. uh, the other one for me as well is uh, FOMO. You know, if you don't have that particular player yeah. in your team, and then not stopping to think, well, what's my net gain here doing it? And it could often be, well, actually, it was bad because you took a four point hit or an eight point hit, or, or a couple yeah. of times a twelve point hit, and it yeah. on balance didn't work. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so, so I mean, 
I guess firstly, we should really probably be covering off the topics around how we structure our teams for the first part of the season. Right, right. And, and, and one of the things, and this is a tip that I've actually taken straight from the book and gone, you know what, I'm rebuilding my team. Because obviously as soon as FPL's open, you start tinkering with your team. If you're if you're as obsessed as we are and as you are, and I mean, it's in your bloody name, um, you know, I started building my team straight away. Then I read your book and I thought, he's right here, leaving uh, half a mil in the bank. Can you explain that? Yeah, so I mean, this this is something that I did for the first time last season, um, and I can't believe it's taken me seventeen years to work this one out. Because you know, once <laughs> once you've done it and benefited from it, you think, crikey, that's that's you know actually so obvious. Um, but the, the idea of the half half a million is to just give yourself a little bit of flexibility and a little bit of immunity from the price rises. Um, you know, the the price changes at the start of the season are incredibly volatile, more volatile than at any other point in the season. Um, for the obvious reason that, you know, there is, um, we don't know anything in pre-season. We don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, in game weeks one, two or three, a very select number of players start to reveal themselves. You know, you don't have loads of players who are hauling. You have a few and everyone naturally flocks to those players mm. uh, because the whole FPL market, if you like, is targeting those players. You know, the, the price changes are, you know, absolutely ruthless. Yeah. Um, G- Gavin, I think you could probably talk a little bit about this because last season I remember having about 10 conversations where you missed out on a player by, what was it, 100? We, it, it was an ongoing joke between us, wasn't it? Like, oh, I tried to get that guy in the team and we'd go... What were you 100k short? Yeah, and it just happened all the time. So ultimately, what you're saying, Maddie, at the start of the season, as you're chasing, as, as you're looking at those price right, price changes, uh, and I, you know, cutting cutting through it all, if if you if the player that you've got that's underperforming drops by by 100, and the player that everyone wants suddenly increases by 100, that's 200 dollars difference. If you don't have that half a million in your bank, you know, you're you're 200 thousand out. But if you've got that, you've got that plus a 300 thousand dollar cushion. Yeah, absolutely. And because of the way that FPL price their players, they're always um, in increments of 0.5 at the mm. start of the season. Yeah. So just a just a um, 0.1 million price change um, can shaft you. Um, you know, it's the practical equivalent of a you know half a million um, price difference. Yeah. Um, so having that just you know st- tucked away in your back pocket uh, just means that you've got flexibility to you know bring in that player who's banging for that one who um you know is underperforming um without having to you know rip your whole team out apart to you know to fit them in yeah absolutely that happened to me as well even at some points towards the end of last season when uh, Liverpool were back in form and I was just trying desperately to find a way to get Salah back in the team mm. I'm like there's just no way of doing it without making like three transfers in a week yeah, I think I was saved that week. Um, I think it was the last game of the season um, purely because I, I just had an inkling that Fernandez wasn't going to play and I, I was just happily took him out for Sadio Mane. So I got quite lucky there. Um, so, so Matty, one of the things that um, I guess has probably changed through the years and you would have seen it you know, just as well as anyone else given you've played for 17 or 18, nearly 18 years now um, is the way that FPL managers you know, go about choosing their initial teams for the season and, and there's a real focus now. And the focus, they were really vocal about it on, on the in the FPL community on Twitter, particularly last season, was switching the focus from your defenders to the, to the defenders that you knew were going to get a clean sheet to now looking at those defenders where... Hey, yeah, clean sheet points—they're a bonus. But what we're really looking at here is attacking returns. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's been fascinating to watch the sort of evolution of um, defenders, um, both in both in you know real life Premier League football and FPL. Uh, I remember when I first started, it was a case of you know just you know get your get yourself some expensive defenders from the um, you know the top four, top six teams because they're more likely to get you clean sheets. Mm. And then over time, when you sort of realise that well, actually a clean sheet can get wiped out pretty quickly, you know, even by the best. Um, teams, you start then trying to get the cheapest defenders that you can um, from the bigger teams, and they then become the sort of you know high value defensive options. Um, but over time, um, you know, particularly with the prevalence of attacking fullbacks and, and wingback systems, um, actually people are now looking for rather than it being I want clean sheets from the defenders and attacking returns are a rare bonus. Now it's become, I want attacking returns from my defenders and the clean sheet has become the bonus. Mm. Um, and that's why, you know, players like, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold are just, um, you know, such good value because even though they're expensive for defenders, well, you can count on attacking returns. <clears throat> and with Liverpool being, you know, a top four, top 16, you've got, you know, clean sheet potential as well. You know, and, and the lad can score a goal as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So what's your what's your preference? I mean, I don't want you to give away your team too early, but have you got a bit of a mix in there, or is it predominantly attacking fullbacks? It's it's predominantly attacking fullbacks. Mm. I, I did um, I did start off my first draft with um, Fafana. Um, I know he's a, he's a he's really know, popular pick this season, actually. Yeah, I, and I think he he's not great on the attacking returns, but I think to have a Leicester nailed on defender for 4.5 million is, you know, um, it, it's a little bit too good to be true. Um, but there are so many, you know, decent option attacking options at that 4.5 bracket. Um, I've been, you know, playing around with it. That's moved quite a lot in my sort of latest draft revisions. But yeah, um, if, if you can get if you can get attacking returns, um, you know, go for it. The uh, latest tabloid speculation is that Real Madrid want Fafana. So make of that what you will. Oh, that'd be a bad move for him. Yeah, he's 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 quite young, isn't he? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I reckon if that if that move was to happen, which I doubt it would, but if that move was to happen, I reckon he'd be loaned back to Leicester City pretty that, quickly. That'd work out quite well for them. Yeah. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I've not heard that one. Yeah. So so probably on the on the other side of the um on the other side of the field, uh, you you've got especially this season, um. Now we, we we I won't talk about Harry Kane in I, in your book. You know I really like the idea of you know spreading out the funds for your premium assets around the different different positions, and we I think we'll probably talk about that soon. But uh, this season there's a lot of really similarly priced uh, you know mid priced forwards, and they all kind of look like a bargain. Probably the one that doesn't look like a bargain any anymore is, is Patrick Bamford. He's at eight mil, so that's a huge jump up from where he started last season. Yeah. But for the amount of points he got, that's still good. That's, oh no, it's it, it is good, but that's a that's a huge it's increase. A, it's a jump. It's yeah. a jump. Yeah. Um. So I think, I think they've priced him quite well actually because he's they've priced him at that point where you just thought of, mm, I want him but not quite. Oh, he's like uh, he's Danny Ings money. Yeah, he's Danny Ings yeah, money. Yeah. But yeah. <clears throat> In I think that's a sign that it, it's a sign that they've got it right when you when you you know it's not it's not a I'm definitely having him and it's not a, I definitely won't have him you know that that means they've got the pricing spot on yeah re- redressing the balance a bit 
And and who do you yeah. see this this season? You know, just give us a couple of hints about who you see as the uh, must-have explosive forwards. To be honest, I'm, I'm struggling with the idea of explosive forwards. I mean, for me, um, that was your explosive forwards were your Harry Kane, Sergio Aguero, um, Jamie Vardy. Um, so Harry Kane, obviously, he's you know he's still there, but I don't like this whole saga that's going on at the moment. Should uh, we just talk about know. that now? We should just talk. About <laughs> well, but, it now. well, I was I was yeah, going to say actually. That, that's cool. Well, what what might. Um... I feel like Harry Kane will be its own section. We'll do we'll do it after the next break. But what I wanted to say actually instead was, <laughs> and this this, this this kind of segues into a, another thought that we've talked about, and that I know other people in the FPL community talk about a lot. And that's um, at the start of the season, putting guys in your team who've never played in the Premier League before. And um, one that actually comes to mind is uh, Daka, striker who's just signed for Leicester, yeah, and is extremely highly regarded. He's 7.5 mil. Are we talking about Premier League or English football? What are you talking about? Well, I was about to say Tony as well, because he's never played in the Premier League, has he? Oh, yeah. Well, no, Premier League then. No, I don't think he has. So, yeah, okay, he's the same. You might give him somewhat of a bit of leeway because he's played at least English football. But, um, yeah, I guess this is a very long-winded way for me to ask Matt, how do you feel about putting players into your team you've never played in the Premier League before? Um, so, I don't like doing it. And... More often than not, I won't do it. Um, I remember last season, I was I was so paranoid about um, Timo Werner. Oh yeah, because um, I just I, I'd actually, um, you know, when the Premier League got interrupted with COVID, yeah, um, needing something, I actually um, downloaded the Bundesliga fantasy app because I just I needed something to get my fix. Um, and, you know, watching him in, in, in the Bundesliga, you know, he was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, when he came when he came over to Chelsea and he was priced at, I think, 9.5 um, or 9, actually. can't remember. 9 or 9.5. Um, everyone started getting in, him in. I think his ownership was like something like 30%, you know, in the week before kickoff. And I just thought not having him is gonna is gonna shaft me, but you know I'll, I'll stick to my own principles and not have him because you know you, you don't know if, how quickly he's gonna he's gonna bed in. Yeah. You know, and it's you know people forget as well. It's not just it's not just joining a different league and one that's very physical and very competitive, but you know this is a whole lifestyle change. You know, learning a new language, moving home, all the rest of it. You know, it's it's it takes its toll on a person to come from abroad. Um, and suddenly start playing in the Premier League, um, and I, I much much prefer to just keep an eye on those players um, and have the flexibility in your initial squad to be able to get them in if it's clear they're going to you know hit the ground running. Yeah, a bit like, like, uh, like taking it. A bit like Rafinha, I guess. You know. He... Yeah, absolutely, and it does you know it does happen that Luis Suarez, Bruno Fernandes, these these are all players who you know come from abroad and, and you know really started firing in all cylinders straight away so it's not to say that it can't happen um but it doesn't always happen well it's, it goes and... back to that kind of idea of risk and probability right you know play like you said at the start of the show placing yourself in the best position and i suppose rolling the risk on a guy who's not playing the premier league and there's been lots of examples over the years of people at omri and burkamp perez they all took a good year to bed into the premier league yeah 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 yeah, what what yeah, makes absolutely. you what makes you want to take a risk, Matt? When you're when you're playing FPL, what makes you think shit? I need to take a risk here, or I might be left behind. Or, mm-hmm. um, I suppose this. Um, and and does this, this sorry comes... sorry does this sort of tie into the sword versus shield stuff as well? Because that's mentioned in your book, and it's a 
pretty interesting concept. Or if it's separate, I can ask that question later. Um, like, like most things in FPL, you can treat it on its own, but you know, it, it is all interlinked. I'd say risk-taking first, you've got to define what is a risk. And what I cover in the playing styles is what two different FPL managers will deem a risk um, are different. So to give an example, I know a lot of people in the FPL community who the way they like to play the game is to target those sort of differentials. They like to, you know, get bandwagon started, you know, before anyone else is on it. So for them, if they were if they were thinking between the obvious pick and one that they've just got this gut feeling um, is going to start banging, you know, for them, not picking um, the differential is the risk. It's the one that they'll really kick themselves for if they do. Whereas I'm the I'm the opposite way. I'm quite risk averse, so I will always kick myself if I didn't pick the obvious solution and end up making the wrong decision. So I suppose risk taking depends on um, you know your playing style, how you are as a manager. Um, I will tend to take more risks, and by that I mean um, you know not going for the obvious picks uh, when I'm chasing rank. So if I'm in a position where, you know, I've had a bad start, I'm not happy with my rank and, you know, I know that I need to make some gains. Um, actually, yeah, I mean, this does link into the sword and the shield. Yeah, uh, knew it. I knew it. I called it. And <laughs> do you even know your own book, Matt? I feel like I know it better than you do. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, for, for me, if, I, if I'm not where I want to be, I'll start um, going for the more sort of riskier picks or, you know, uh, players with low ownership, um, because I know that you know if it does come off, you know I will go, um, you know higher in the rankings. Um, the flip side of it, obviously, if it doesn't if it doesn't come off, then you will lose even more rank, and that's the horrible thing about not getting off to a good start. Um, is you know you have to play riskier to make those gains that you lost earlier on, and you know it's a double-edged sword. It can go the other way. But I think um and I think last season, you know, probably the way that you and I, we were so close. I think it was one point between us going into the last yeah, round. Yeah, there was. That's where the, the the sword versus shield mentality kind of, um, you know, you know, sword being, I'm really going to go for this here um, and it can go really well. Uh, and that's what I had to do. You know, I was one point behind, so it's not that much, but I was sitting there going, you know, I, I, I'm going to take a risk here. I'm going to not play Bruno Fernandes. It wasn't a big risk because I did have a good feeling he wasn't going to play and I, I did a big transfer. I bought in Mane and I just I went for it um, as opposed to just going, I'm going to play it safe here and do the... Actually, maybe maybe the Mane, Mane transfer was an obvious thing and, and probably was Shield, but... Um, from, well, from my perspective with that as well, I kind of wish from a psychological point of view that it had been you one point ahead of me because because I was one point ahead of you, I felt more compelled to protect that tiny lead. Mm. So yeah. I went very, I, I went very conservative, and it didn't pay off. And then literally as soon as it happened and the the season was finished, I thought, well, actually, I had nothing really to. I should have just gone hell for leather, mm. and I could have even taken a points hit and done much better. But I just kind of sat very tight with it. I was concerned as well that the fact that you had Salah and I didn't was what was going to differentiate us. And ultimately, Salah got like four points or something in that game weekend. It was all about Mane. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I guess probably... Yeah, that, that, last, on, on the Sword and Shield last last, um, last season, I, I wanted I was aiming for a top 10k finish. And I was sort of hovering around the 
uh, 19k mark uh, when it came towards the end of the season um, and I I got a little bit cowardly and whereas I potentially should have been using the sword in those final game weeks to get me to you know my own stated goal I was aware that I'd got uh, you know uh, I was releasing a book on FPL so I really didn't want a bad finish so towards the end where I should have been using the sword I actually started playing it a little bit safer because I thought, you know, okay, I'm not going to hit the target here, but I at least want a reasonable finish. Um, and, and and that's that's where your sort of um, goal mentality comes into it. Yes. Where do you want to be? So where did you end up finishing up last season? Uh, 23K in the end. Oh, my God, that's the dream. That's the, my goal. <laughs> so I set a goal at the start of the season, I think it was to finish in the top 500K or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it wasn't with it. And... And halfway through the season, when I started hovering around that mark, I thought, oh, I'm going to change this to the 100K. And then by the end, it was just, no, oh, I really want to finish in the top 500K. <laughs> Never <laughs> quite got there. So next season, I'm hoping for a top 100K finish, and hopefully the tips in your book will help me get there. Um, the last question I want to ask before we take a quick break is uh, your captaincy pick. So how do you pick your captaincy pick? Do you play it safe, or do you like to look for a bit of a differential there? Or again, do you, do you have to take into consideration what's going on around you in the rankings? No, to, to be honest with you, with captaincy, I'm 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 pretty boring. Um, I just I just go for the obvious pit. You know, if I've got a premium asset who is in form, who's got a good fixture, um, that's that's going to be that's going to be my captain. Um, if I'm in a position where I've got you know multiple premium assets all in form, all with a good um, fixture, then I'll um, start drilling down into stats. Um, usually watch the the football highlights. Um, to sort of fill in the gaps of what the what the stats don't tell you. That 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 to me sounds like it actually contradicts something that you said in your book, where you said, and I think you used Patrick Bamford last season or last season as an example, when there's two great picks, two great options for captaincy, pick something outside of that, because then that's probably more of a better pick. Or I think it was Patrick Bamford. I think everyone was picking Salah or Fernandez or something along those lines. Does that ring a bell? Did I say that? I'll, I'll have to read my own book again. Now. <laughs> That does sound pretty, uh, pretty smart. I thought I remember thinking, but that doesn't happen that often. Like, how many game weeks do you have where there's like three locked on good captains? See if I can find it. I mean, I I remember reading it, thinking, "What a one thing." Well, while Scott's uh, doing that, what you did touch on earlier when you're answering another question about, well, it was the example you gave of the person that triple captained uh, Bednarek. Um, So, as a typical rule, you you don't tend to captain uh, defensive players. No, I, um, I have done. Um, I've, but again, only when you're sort of targeting those, you know, attacking defensive players. I think I've captained Trent. Same. Uh, and I don't think it came off for me, but um, I don't regret the decision, if, if, if you know what I mean. Um, but I, I, generally, generally, no. Well, the, the regrets thing is actually uh, an interesting one because I. I uh, I experienced a bit of that and I got to the halfway point of last season and started to think, given the amount of luck involved in FPL and how little you can control, beating yourself up after the event was just not helpful. You can end up getting into a pretty uh, gloomy place doing that where you just, because it's easy after the event to be like, well, obviously I should have, should have captained that guy. And you're like, but you, a thousand times you wouldn't have. You just wouldn't have. So for me, yeah. it was trying to switch my mentality to, well, what can I learn from that and how might I do something different next time? And sometimes the answer is I wouldn't have. It was a fluke. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you've, you've hit the nail on the head there. And I think you know, there is there is a, it is much healthier 
and better um, for your performance to actually just sit back and put put a wet towel on your head, make sure you've calmed down a little bit, and then just you know logically and rationally you know evaluate the decisions that you made. And you know a lot of the time it will be a case of you know I was I was happy with the decision then. You know, with hindsight, I'm still happy with the decision. It just didn't go my way. And, you know, that's where the 50% look comes in. Every now and then we will make a decision that will, when we look back at it afterwards, we'll think, what on earth did you do that for? Uh, not last season, the season before, game week 38. For some reason, I got it into my head that I needed to take out KDB and bring in Sterling so that I could captain him. And I did it and Sterling blanked and KDB absolutely balled. Uh, and I lost, you know, an absolute ton of rank on the final game week. And I thought to myself, why on earth did I do that? You know, KDB wasn't out of form. There was, you know, there was no, there was no suggestion he wasn't going to play or he was going to be rotated. It was just a, it was just a stupid decision. And sometimes you will make stupid decisions. And, and th- you know, the converse is true. Sometimes you'll make a stupid decision that pays off. Yeah, um, true. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's funny what you were saying before as well like about I mean it's effectively triangulating information and I found that typically speaking the game weeks where I went out my way to watch all the highlights of all the games there were definitely a few points in the season where I brought players into my team that other people or a lot of people maybe hadn't considered yet maybe they were a few weeks behind because you know you, when you, you have to watch the highlights or watch the games to see when a guy is nearly scoring a lot of goals or he's nearly doing that and whilst you know, yeah. that can also mean that you know he's a player who's not going to perform. It can also be a bit of a clue that they might, and that that helped me a couple of times. Mm. And Matt, I think you yeah. raised that in your book as well. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I talk about the um, it's something of a cliche term if you mention it on FPL Twitter, um, but the difference between a bad decision and a bad outcome. Um, you know, sometimes the sometimes the two aren't mutually ex- exclusive. Like I've got, I got, had a friend, which I mentioned in the book, he um, captained uh, Clint Dempsey. Um, and it just, it, it literally didn't make any sense. You know, his stats weren't great. He wasn't looking great. There were much better options. Um, you know, he'd, he'd barely done anything all season. And he captained him uh, on the one game week he scored a brace. Um, so that to me is, is an example of making a, a bad decision for getting the, you know, the right outcome of, out of it. Um, but I think that the point that I make is if you, if you continue to make bad decisions more often than not, you will get a bad outcome. Sometimes it will go your way. So, um, can't, don't be can't, too can't, uh, can't rely on flukes. Well, you know what they say, FPL no. is 50% luck. Um, all right, Matt, just before we jump to a break, what do you quickly, just quickly, just shooting from the hip, what are your top three tips for our listeners? For the for the preseason, I don't want to go. We don't. Let's don't go too far down into the into the season. Oh, preseason. Um, top three tips. Uh, going back to what we said before, make make sure your team is as flexible as possible. So, um, I think it's important to have um, a spread of price points in every position, um, so that you know, even if you have selected the wrong person in that position for the start of the season. Uh, you can very easily bring in the right person at that price point um, when it becomes obvious that that player is banging and, and yours isn't. Um, you know, I, I've seen lots of people, you know, go really, really hard in midfield. So you've got you know five amazing, you know, really strong midfield assets, and to pay for that, they've had a really weak front line, really weak defence, and then when it becomes clear that you know 
the must-have player of the season is an expensive premium forward. Um, they made it very difficult for themselves to get them in. They've got to, you know, make a number of transfers, and that either means they've got to do it over a over a long period of time, or they've got to take hits to to get them in straight away. Um, so that plus um, five million in the bank um, just gives you that flexibility to, to do what you want. People have to remember that you know anything can happen in in, um, in at the start of the season. You know, just because there was a trend at the end of last season. Um, doesn't mean that trend is going to continue into the new season. Yeah. Um, so you you have to be open minded and have a team that will allow you to make those changes. Um, you know when the new patterns start to emerge. Um, avoid avoid triple ups. I'd say probably don't have too yeah. many double ups. That's that's and avoid that, triple ups completely. That's something that I um I was pretty against at this at this basically all last season actually was avoiding that yeah 100 percent. yeah a lot of people give me stick for this because they think that i don't like triple ups in general which isn't the case um, i'm fine with triple ups i mean i uh, not last season the season before um during project restart when uh when when covid um interrupted the season i tripled up on um greenwood uh rashford and bruno fernandez and it was it was you know an incredibly powerful triple up it got me loads and loads of points but just don't do it at the start of the season um a few seasons ago um i can't i can't remember which year it was but um bournemouth um were, were so strong attacking loads of people had you know uh, fraser and king and wilson um and the next season they got relegated and loads of people tripled up on bournemouth because of you know how they were the season previous, and then they, you know, they soon found out that you know Bournemouth for whatever reason um, had completely flopped at the start of next season. So don't put all your eggs in one basket. Have a mm. nice you know spread of players. I actually think that that's probably more relevant, especially now with COVID, because uh, you just never know when a team is going to go. A whole team is going to go into lockdown and a game's going to be cancelled. So, you know, putting all your eggs in one basket means that you're at, at risk of that. I think that happened to my brother last season. I think he had uh, quite a few Newcastle players mm. for whatever reason. <laughs> but, <laughs> As yeah. you do. Now, what about your last tip, mate? You got one, one more. Hmm. Focusing just on preseason. Just, just preseason. Yep, just preseason. I'll bring I'll bring this one up because I just uh, I see a lot of people talking about it. Um, a lot of people are talking about bench boosting in game week one. Um, we love that. We love that here on the bench boost boys. Bench boost boys. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't don't bench boost in game week one. Um, as as I said at the um, earlier on, the the start of the season is so volatile in terms of um, almost every aspect you can imagine. You know, a lot of players who you previously would have thought um, had been nailed, um, you might find that they don't play. Um, you know, there's lots of rumours that, for example, Man United are going to move to a 4-3-3 uh, this season. Uh, you know, that sort of thing will have, you know, various impacts on player performances, but also, you know, it might take a while for that team to, you know, click into the system. Mm-hmm. Um, you tend to get a lot of shocks and a lot of... Um, Sort of rotation at the start of the season, which is why I'm always an advocate of um, making sure that your players in your game week one squad are as likely as possible to start. Um, you because 
some of them that you are absolutely certain they're going to be nailed won't start and it will surprise you <clears throat> so if you've got then a load of players who are on the fringe of that as well uh, you know you might find that you're fighting fires for the first you know four game weeks just trying to get you know a full team of 11. Yeah. Um, so, so it's a bench boost as well to what you're effectively saying is all 15 of my players are definitely going to play and I just don't think that's the case at all at the start of the season yeah. I don't think you can say that with any degree of confidence 100% alright let's take another break and uh, come back and uh, talk about oh, we'll, we'll have to talk about Harry Kane bench boost boys Harry Kane that's how we're starting this conversation Talk us through your thoughts, Matt. Word on the street is that is Harry Kane in Barbados? <laughs> oh, well, all I know is he's not in training, right? He's, he's not at training, no. Um, so, so, to be honest with you, go on, sorry. I, I was just going to say, after reading your book and after what we just talked about before the break, when you mentioned spreading your funds out and having, you know, I thought, and Harry Kane's ownership is, is quite high, but not as high as you'd imagine for one of the top scoring players of last season. I thought, yeah. That's it. That's my premium asset in, the, in 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 my forward line. So I bought Harry Kane in, but this week has just scared the shit out of me, and I've transferred him out, and I've changed my team a little bit, and and transferred some more money back into my midfield, just purely because of the transfer saga. But what do you think? Well, believe it or not, even before this debacle, I took Harry Kane out of my squad. Um, and I, I actually wrote a thread on Twitter explaining it because I was thinking to myself. I've said in my book that you need a premium forward and I'm going to start my first FPL season having written a book, contradicting my own book by not having a premium <laughs> forward. So I actually set out this huge explanation as to why I was doing it. Um, but to sort of tackle tackle that thinking first, um, the whole point of having um, a premium forward and having a flexible game week one squad, as we mentioned earlier, was um, to be able to jump on other similarly priced options now 12.5 million for a forward harry kane is he is there you know on his own little island that there are no other 12.5 million strikers to to jump to is is the so, is the next cheapest or the next most expensive around the 10 mil mark is that like a you're a yeah, it's, a, and you're a... it's fardy at 10.5 all right yeah okay so, I mean, you know, in, in days gone by, you know, you'd have had an Aguero in there at a similar, you know, price point. Um, but with him gone, it is literally just Harry Kane on his own up there. So then I thought, okay, well, let's look at the, you know, the four next most expensive forwards. Uh, so 10.5, you've got Vardy. Um, you know, I don't mean to be harsh on, on the lad, but, you know, he's getting on a bit. Um, I think his, um, you know, I think his price has gone up. His age has gone up. Is, what, what, for me, he, I'm just—he's got a reoccurring hip impingement injury, doesn't he? He doesn't, is, he doesn't train the first Monday after a game. I know that my grandma also had hip issues, so you are right. He's getting old. Carry on around that yeah, ten million. So, so, so for ten point five, just you know, don't get me wrong. I had Jamie Vardy last season. I actually went for him instead of Timo Werner um, for the first sort of six to eight game weeks, and that really paid off for me. He got you know, he got a lot more points than Werner did, so I was pleased with that decision. But for this season, I just at ten point five. I just don't fancy him at all. Also, with um, Dakar coming in, I just I think you're going to be looking at reduced minutes for Vardy as well. So, for for me, I'm not even tempted. So then the next plus Ian Archo finished off the season in yeah. excellent form. 
So, so it's yeah, hard yeah. to know what that uh, Leicester but, side's going to look like. That's the thing, you know. I mean, even with, yeah. with especially with Dakar coming in, like you've got um, obviously the stalwart there in, in Jamie Vardy, and then you've got um, Ian Archer who finished the season in such great form the whole way through too. Like it's not like he had a up and up and ebb and flow. It was just this. He was just going up towards the end of the season. Yeah, it's it's interesting them switching their formation to accommodate Madison and Barnes being out. And someone's after Madison at the moment. Is it Arsenal? Someone's trying to sign him. So it's hard to know Mm. what that's going to look like. It could be. I mean, I don't know how they work together, but it could be Iheanacho and and Daka up front together. But anyway, Mm. sorry, Matt. Sorry, Matt, you were going? No, so so Vardy not interested. And I think the next most expensive is um, Aubameyang. And to be honest, 10 million for a player who underperformed um, last season, um, it, it doesn't tickle my fancy. And I, and I think Arteta is still grappling with Arsenal's tactical identity as well. So, um, you know, until that sorts itself out, you start to see a bit of stability um, and stability in Arsenal are not necessarily two terms that go mm. together very well. Um, so I'm not tempted by uh, Aubameyang. And then you've got... Um, Firmino, Bobby Firmino at 9.5. I think he's a, he's you know, I'm a Liverpool fan and I love I love Bobby Firmino. I think he's a great player. Yeah. I uh, think he's, uh, he's a terrible terrible yeah. FPL asset. Every, every FPL you manager know knows that you know it, it's the work that he does, you know, off the ball yeah. that, that frees up the space for Mane and and, and Salah yeah, that's and, it. and even he, you know he, Jota more recently. He he runs into those little pockets of space knowing that the defenders have got to go with him. Uh, so you know his his game you know, as a as a centre forward, is literally to take himself out of the game to allow others to benefit from the space, um, which is not what you want in FPL at all. And I don't know why FPL keep on pricing him at nine point five. I think if they if they priced him somewhere like seven point five eight, I think people might be you know might be really tempted. But you know, have you seen a single draft with Firmino in? Um, probably not. Um, and then next next to that, I think is um, Werner. Uh, and to be honest with you, you get into the sort of nine million point. You're actually closer to the sort of upper mid range bracket than you are to premium. So if you want to jump to a Timo Werner, and I do think he's one to watch out for this season, um, you know it won't be that difficult to do. So then I started thinking, well, you know, if the benefit of having a premium forward, uh, you know, and having that flexibility is predicated on having other options to go to, and I've just ruled out all of the other options, then it. The question then really becomes, do I want Harry Kane? And as I say, even before all of this transfer saga was going on, um, I was looking at what I could do to my squad without Kane. And I really liked it. Um, You know, it's not like we're shy of, you know, really good mid-range forward options to replace him with. So actually, I then got rid of Kane and he hasn't been in one of my drafts for a while. Um, and then this whole transfer saga kicked off him not turning up to training, and, and for me that just that just solidified yeah. my decision. Yeah, I, I um I took him out today. I think just reading some of the articles about about you know his thoughts and 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 where he was coming from and his discussions that he'd had with his manager and his, his father and his brother and 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 how he had one thing in his head and is it Daniel Levy or yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and he said he, they had a gentleman's agreement, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, essentially, and 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 that was contradictory to what Levy had said, or however you pronounce his name. Um, and, and I just thought there's too much going on here. And even if they somehow resolve it, and he ends up at City, uh, has he had enough time with the team? Has he had enough, um, 
you know, has he gotten back into the flow of training? Oh, absolutely. It's very disruptive, isn't it? Very disruptive. Yeah. Uh, here's a segue for you then. If Kane goes to City, how do you feel about Son? Well, Son's still a midfielder and he's he's playing yeah. out of position. So, and, and, you know, not knowing what that team's going to look like next season because obviously, you know, um, they've got a new manager, don't they? Yeah, Nuno. Yeah, yeah, Nuno. Yeah. So... It'd be hard to. It's hard to know how he's going to run things, but from what we've seen in preseason, Sun's done pretty well. To be honest, if I was managing Tottenham, which I'm not, by the way, yeah, you're um, not. You're, okay, I'm not the manager of Tottenham. Yeah, um, I'd be tempted to just play Son as centre forward if mm. Kane goes, but that's Nuno's problem, uh, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think that that makes sense, and I think um, that the most sort of comfortable fit if Kane does go is to put Son as number nine because he has got experience playing in that role in the past when Kane's been injured. Uh, you know, Son will be on pens. Um, like like you said, Gavin, he's, um, you know, he's tearing it up in pre-season. Um, I, I, I'm not going to start with Son, but I, I will definitely make sure I've got a plan to get him in. Um, you know, Tottenham have got sort of, not the worst, but not great fixtures. Um, to start the season off with, but um, planning a route to get Son in, I think, is advisable, um, particularly if that happens. I heard, actually, that uh, Nuno's wanting to get Connor Cody into that Spurs team. More more transfer rumours. Is this, It is the season. So, yeah. While we're on the topic of uh, transfer rumours and all of that, 100 million Jack Grealish, Man City, is it well, going to happen? Apparently. Matt, your thoughts? It's, look- it's looking that way. Um, I, I think that one could happen. I think it's bizarre that City have, um, you know, made an offer for a hundred million for Grealish, um, and also a hundred million for Kane. Um, because you know, while I think Grealish is a great player, um, you know, there are other Grealish equivalent players out there. There's quite a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know, th- there is only one forward like Harry Kane. Um, so for me, he's in a league of his own. If, if uh, you know, if Grealish is worth 100 million, then you know, Kane, 150 easily. Spurs have um, asked for was it 160 or 180 for Kane? They they they're holding 160, 160. They're holding firm on it. Uh, yeah, but we'll see what happens there. Well, I think I. So yeah, I, sorry, Matty, go. I, I, I don't. I, I've had Kane. Uh, sorry, Grealish in my um, in a few of my drafts. Um, I don't think I fancy him if he goes to City, if I'm being honest. Mm. Um, I think, you know, Pep, it doesn't matter how much you um, pay for a player from City's board's perspective, you know, Pep will rotate them. Yeah. Know, he will have some madcap scheme in his head of how he wants to set up. And if, it, that, if that doesn't include your new 100 million um, signing, then, you know, they're going to sit on the bench. Um, you know, uh, at Villa, Grealish is you know the talisman. He's going to play every game um, at City. Uh, not so sure. Yeah, and then the thing we saw that um, last season with Man City's highest scoring midfielder <laughs> being Jack Harrison. Um, yeah. Was yeah, crazy. yeah. Do you know what? As well, like um, I thought that one of not even necessarily from an FPL perspective, but I know he did well, but I thought one of Man City's best, better players last season was Riyad Mahrez, and it felt like he only played half the games. Yeah, he's nine and a half mil now, and I see him in a lot of FPL drafts. He's he's, he's, in, a, he's in a lot of drafts. Yeah, he's getting 
quite popular. Is it nine nine mil or nine and a half? I'm not sure. But just while we're on the nine. topic, though, and, and and I said while we're on the topic of Son, it was about two topics ago. <laughs> but just since I said we might as well sw- segue into um, Stefan de Jong. He actually well, did he win our he did he yeah. won our league last season. Yeah. Um, he he kind of suggested uh, on Twitter that uh, Son would be a better option. Uh, at half a million more than than Jaden Sancho. What are your thoughts on uh, Sancho's move to to United, and and how he'll go as an FPL asset? Again, I think I think we're in the in the, in the realm of the unknown. Um, I think I th- he'll be a great player for United, no doubt. You know, he's a he's a very very talented lad. Um, whether that talent um, comes off straight away. Um, who knows? You know, I, I don't think he will necessarily um, start generating big FPL points straight away. I can see why people attempted to go for him, but for me, this is another sort of Timo Werner situation. Mm. You know, sit sit and watch. You know, see if if United do go to a four three three, you know, and, and and Bruno Fernandez you know plays a deeper role. You know, just sit back and have a look at how that's going. You know, watch the matches. You know, you don't have to jump in with. Um, Sancho, um, you know, it, it's very tempting to try and get the points that other people aren't getting, and, and you know, get in there early. Um, but you know, you don't have to do it. Go, go, go for security instead. I mean, there's no guarantee you'll you'll even play straight away. You know, I, I remember you know being a Liverpool fan. We signed um, Fabinho for fifty million. You know, you know, and for Liverpool, that's you know that that's a big that's a big sum of money. That's a big transfer, and he didn't play for. For ages, I can't remember how long it was, but it was at least you know eight weeks, um, and he wasn't injured. And it was it was Jurgen Klopp had said, you know, he's he's not where we want him to be. He's a great player, the, the raw materials there, mm. but in terms of slotting into the Liverpool system and, and the pace and the aggression with which we play, he's not there. And it, you know, it was absolutely the right decision because when he played, he did kick off straight away. Um, so you know that was a big shock to us Liverpool fans. Hang on, we just spent fifty million on a player, and he's you know he's still you know we're looking at our watch. He's still not um, starting, um, but these things take time to bed in. So you know for me, there's no guarantee Sancho plays immediately. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, all right. Well, well, before we get the last question, I want to ask you is around um, your must-have players. So put some thought into that. But FPL bash. Uh, one of our followers, I think he follows you as well. Just wanted to know if you had any advice for any uh, people out there looking to write themselves uh, any kind of book, I suppose. What, what, what would be your tips about writing a book? Um, this, this is going to sound daft, but just um, get the first draft done. It is by it is by far the hardest thing to do out of everything. You know, you're going to have to publish it. You're going to have to get a front cover designed. You're going to have to market it. You know, all of that stuff, you know, needs thinking about um but you can't do any of that until you've until you've written the thing uh, and a lot of people get obsessed with you know what the front cover is going to look like how they're going to you know what the marketing strategy is going to be just get it done first that's my number one advice um and the, the, the thing about drafts is um you know my book um it, it how it looks now is nothing like how it first looked when i you know um, wrote the last word um, you know, it's had so many structural changes. It's been edited four or five times. It's had, it's been professionally edited. Um, a lot of people, I think, what gets in the way of writing a book is they want it all to be perfect, um, and that that holds people back. You know, Stephen King novels don't come out flawless. He doesn't 
hit the last word of his typewriter and send it off and it's ready you know writing a book is you know a painstaking long process of editing and changing your drafts and um so my number one tip would just be get it all down on paper and don't worry straight away what it looks like how you can help yourself out before you do that is to is to just have a a bit of a rough outline of how you want it to be structured mm. you know you don't want to make yourself more work by you know writing it in any order you know have a think about what you want the start to look like the middle and the end um and then once you've got that basic outline and um, just 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 get it down you don't have to worry about any of the other stuff um, yeah. until afterwards there you go bash off you go write your book <laughs> um alrighty. but if um if, if, if bash's book is on fpl um or, or related if he if he's on twitter or anything he wants to reach out to me i'm happy to um give him some pointers yeah cool uh well I guess we'll probably start to wind it up, but I do want to ask, Matt, have you got any nailed on starters in your FPL team? Um, so I've I, um, had a little look at which players have remained in my drafts no matter how much I've tinkered. I was surprised it was actually, it's only four. Um, so um, you'll be very surprised to hear that the first one is Mo Salah. Yes, I am very surprised to hear um, that. <laughs> Coming from a Liverpool fan, he's not very good at FPL. Uh, sorry, he's not, he's not very good at football. I meant to say, but uh, doesn't he get probably, FPL points. He re- probably requires no explanation. But I was actually looking back um, last season. Uh, the top scoring player was um, Bruno Fernandes, two hundred and forty-four points. If you look at Salah's average over the last four years, um, it's two hundred and fifty-six. So his his average score beat every single player last season, mm. um, which is which is amazing, really, if you think about it. Um, I mean, okay, he hasn't had any major injury problems, which would you know you know drop those FPL points right down. Um, but I mean, in terms of consistency and sort of bankability, you know, there is no one better than Salah. Yeah, we, so we... he's he's n- n- nailed on. We talked a lot last season about if you're a casual player and you want to set and forget captain, Salah's your man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so Trent Alexander-Arnold is the other um, uh, nailed one. Yeah. So I've instantly got myself into trouble because I'm I'm already doubled up in a double up. <laughs> you know, it's like I, I'm. We're, I think we're both two from two there because I've got both those those players nailed on and and I've already got the armband on Salah. Um, and I've had yeah. the armband on Salah for about six weeks since they opened up FPL whenever yeah. that was if, if you if you're doing anything else you're probably overthinking or trying to be too clever and you know just get the armband on Salah yep. um, and, and you know it's got the added advantage that so many people are doing it that if it if it, if it goes wrong then we're all up shit's creek with that pedal yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah you know you've got a handful of people that did something different who are you know rubbing their hands together but you know um, it's, it's the safest bet so my third pick is um, Bruno Fernandes. Um, he's been in my, all of my drafts so far. Uh, I don't know if you've seen there's a, a campaign to um, for Bruno, um, a lot of drafts out there uh, without Fernandes. Uh, and a lot of people making very convincing arguments to, you know, to not have him in, um, you know, what, what, what are the, what are the arguments? Cause I, I, I can't well, think of a single one myself. There's, there's these persistent rumors that, um, 
United are going to drop to a 4-3-3 next season, which sees Fernandes in a bit of a deeper role, less advanced than, than he has been in the previous seasons. There's also a lot of people saying that, you know, the VAR are trying to, um, you know, there's changes to the VAR system to add a higher threshold to um, what is considered a foul in the box. So there's a lot of people saying that, you know, we will probably get less penalties then as a result. Man United um, already don't think... get that many penalties, though, do they? <laughs> they don't have a reputation for I that at all. I, th- I think it's easy to overeg how much of Fernandez's game is penalties. You know, you take, you take his penalties out last season and, you know, he's still scoring, uh, you know, at a tremendous rate. Um, so for me, I, I've not been convinced to get rid of Fernandez, but also for me, you know, Fernandez is a route to players like Son or yeah, Mares. Yeah, that's exactly what or, I was or, thinking when we were talking about that. Or Kai Havertz, yeah. You know, yeah. If, if the season starts panning out where you think actually Son is the player to have, Mares is the player to have, well, great. You know, um, Bruno offers you that flexibility to, to drop down to one of them and leave yourself a bit more money to upgrade elsewhere. So um, I've not been tempted to get rid of um, Bruno, yeah. Well, that's three out of three. Keep going. Got no. one more. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to give us more. No. Come on, Scott. No, he's, he's, he's got. He said he's got four. Oh, you got a four? Oh, no. Okay. I thought. Sorry. No, I thought. No, I thought Scott was trying to tease your entire team out of you. No, no, no. He said he's got four now. Okay, I'm go not going to try and get your whole team, Maddie. Obviously, because you know you want to go into the season with an advantage. But <laughs> no, the only the only other one is Rafina. Um, I think out of all of the players. Uh, FPL of price this season. I think Rafinha is probably the one that they've got most wrong. I was expecting him to come out at about eight. Um, I was thinking if they do him eight point five, I'm probably you know going to have a bit of a you know an issue on my hands in terms of whether I go for him. Um, but six point five. What? Um, it's just it's so cheap. I mean that 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 fella is unreal. Um, you know he's got so much potential. I think Leeds. Um, there is part of me thinking, is there a chance that they'll have second season syndrome? Um, but I think they they just play a way that other teams can't handle. Um, they, they've shown that they can be adaptive. So Bielsa had them playing quite defensive towards the end of last season. And you know, they were starting to get clean sheets as well. So um, I love Leeds. I think that they're, they're a pleasure to watch. And I think Rafina is just an awesome, awesome Player. I think he's going to get loads of points next season. Yeah, I think six point five is a no-brainer for me. That's um, that's the only one where, where we differ. And I'm not saying anything contrary to that. I I, I agree. Rafinha is a fantastic player, great price. I think I actually went Harrison over Rafinha. It plays in a little bit to me um, to have that extra half a mil in the bank. Um, but also uh, Harrison did have a, a stellar season. Um, and uh, you know, I think. You know, you, you talked about him a lot last season, Gavin, because you're you're a Leeds fan. He can be yeah. quite a frustrating player um, to to watch as a Leeds fan, but as an FPL player for for six million um, to get, I think what he got close to 160, 170 points last season. I think yeah. that's just a, a really nice rate of return for a player of I, that price. I feel like Jack Harrison is um, he's getting better. Often you see like you know he's not he's not like a teenager anymore, but often when you see like players come through, particularly like young starlets outside of your Wayne Rooney's and stuff. The thing that they're usually missing when they're super young is that consistency. And I just feel slowly over the last three seasons, I know he played in the championship with Leeds as well, but Harrison is the consistency he's getting there. Rafinha's come in, hit the ground running. Like he is one of the outliers who just turned up in the Premier League after apparently underperforming in France. Um, really, Leeds got him for an absolute bargain, which is why half the Premier League tried to steal him off them before the season was even over. But yeah, Rafinha's an absolute monster. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, Harrison's a great pick, and I think if if you were to say to me, my choices are between having Rafina and nothing in the bank, and Harrison and 0.5 in the bank, I'd say go for Harrison. Um, so yeah, no, uh, great pick. I just I just love love Rafina. That that nutmeg he did against that Palace defender last year was just disgusting. It was unreal. <laughs> right. Well, Maddie. Uh... Again, thanks very much for coming on. Uh, the name of the book is FPL Obsessed Tips for Success in Fantasy Premier League. Uh, you can find it at Amazon. Uh, I know you can find it in Australia on eBay, um, but also Booktopia. I'm pretty sure it's there too, so go and take a look. Uh, it's it's awesome. Like I said, there's a lot in there. It, it was it, We were never going to unpack it in one podcast, but um, we've got to the crux of it with some of those awesome tips you've given us, um, as well as... Uh, a couple of nailed on players you know we don't agree on all of them um, if I could afford Rafinha I'd probably have him in there um, but Maddie, again thanks for taking the time uh, thanks for having us on chaps it's been it's been brilliant that's been great mate and uh, at FPL Obsessed on Twitter we're uh, at Bench Boost Boys I'll read out that really awkward uh, private league code as well shall I beep boop beep boop <laughs> join the Bench Boost Boys private league the code is q 8 Z. M for Mike, two S for sugar. It's like the, it's a phonetic nightmare. It is, and on top of that, you've just you've just said that, and I can see Matt writing it, scribbling it down. He's going to join the league now. None of us oh, are going to win. Joining. Now, oh, none no. of us are going to win. Uh, Matt's not allowed. Um, <laughs> no, I've, I've just I've just written a book on FPL success, so you can guarantee I'm going to have a terrible season. If, uh, oh. It's going to happen. Fingers crossed, you do. Um, we'd love to have you on again sometime, Maddie. Thanks again, mate. And uh, yeah. I want to say have a good night, but over over where you are, have a have a good day. Yeah, have a good day. Yeah, the day's well, just beginning. Yeah. All the best for the season, mate. All right, thanks, and you too, guys. All right, cheers. <laughs>